0: good morning. morning. Welcome to Zion on the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, A few things for you this morning. First, I want to encourage you to keep Jack Gearhart and and the Gearhart family in your prayers today and tomorrow. Uh, Our sister Nancy passed into her eternal rest a week ago today. Uh, Visitation hours for her funeral will be tonight from 5 to 8. The funeral is tomorrow at noon at Child's Layman on the east side of town, and then visitation hours two hours before the funeral tomorrow morning as well. So please, please keep them in your prayers in these coming days. Uh, You'll see in your bulletin as well that our newsletter articles are due today. So let Mary or Rose know if you have anything for the upcoming newsletter. Uh, also, just one note from me. Uh, if you notice in our service today, there are a couple of hymns that might be unfamiliar. Uh, both are written by Martin Luther. Uh, so I want to encourage you to give them the old college try as we sing them. Even if they're unfamiliar, they fit really well with our gospel. Of course, they're written by Martin Luther, so they have to be great. So uh, give them a try as we, as we worship this morning. Uh, Does anyone have any announcements or any prayer requests for us before we begin our worship? All right, I will invite you then to take a moment to prepare your hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ, was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. Almighty and ever-living God, you are always more ready to hear than we are to pray, and you gladly give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us your abundant mercy, forgive us those things that weigh on our conscience, and give us those good things that come only through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen.
1: A reading from Genesis. The Lord said, How great is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, and how very grave their sin! I must go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham came near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will forgive the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered, Let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. And he spoke to him. Again, he spoke to him. Suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak just once more. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. The word of the Lord. Our Psalm for today is Psalm 138. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I will sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and praise your name of your steadfast love and, for you your name and your word all When I called, you answered me. You increased my strength within me. They will sing of the ways of the Lord, that great is the glory of the Lord.
2: The Lord is high, and the fear lowly, receiving the haunting from afar.
1: Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you keep me safe. You stretch forth your hand against the fury of my enemies, your right hand shall save me.
2: You will make it the purpose for me, O Lord. Your steadfast love endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands.
1: A reading from Colossians. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, And you have come to fullness in him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision. By putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ, when you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing triumphing over them in it. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink, or of observing festivals, new moons, or Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions, puffed up without cause by a human way of thinking, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with a growth that is from God. The word of the Lord.
0: gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me, the door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, At least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you, for everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated, and children, I invite you to come forward. All right, I have an envelope here, and what does it say on it? Gifts, yeah. Uh who wants to open a gift? Silas will open is that okay? Can Silas open it? okay all right, what do you think is in the gift? Okay, just look we'll see What did you get? A scorpion and a snake, <laughs> a scorpion and a snake. But, Are scorpions and snakes good gifts? If you opened a box with a scorpion or a snake, what would it do? It might bite you. It might sting you. Right? You would at least be startled and scared, right? You think you're going to get something good and you get a snake or a scorpion? Isn't that kind of scary? Scorpions and snakes are not good gifts, are they? Uh, Well, Jesus makes this point in our gospel today. He says, who of you would, when your children ask for a good gift, he gives an example of food, like fish or an egg. He says, when they ask for something good, who among you would give them a snake or a scorpion, right? Who would give them a bad gift? Well, nobody. Nobody's that. Well, most people aren't that mean, right? You wouldn't give a bad gift. Well, his point is that God, who is good, won't give you bad gifts either, right? That God is only going to give you good gifts because God is your father, you are his children. He's not going to give you things that harm you. He's going to give you all of the good that he has to give you, okay? And then Jesus will go on to say that he will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. God will give you himself, God will give you forgiveness. God will give you new life. God will give you peace and joy. God will give you his very self because he loves you. So Jesus tells us to pray, right? To pray because we know that God will give us good gifts. God will not do us wrong. God will not do bad things to us. God will only do good for us. He won't give you scorpions and snakes. All right, let me pray. Lord, help us to know that you are good, that you answer our prayers, and that you, through your Son, Jesus Christ, want to give us all good things. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, in our gospel, after answering his disciples' question about how to pray, Jesus moves on to address an even more fundamental question. And so the question that Jesus addresses is, will God answer my prayers? How can we be confident that God will answer our prayers? Indeed, it doesn't really matter if we know the mechanics of how to pray, if we have no confidence or no faith that our prayers are actually heard and answered. And so in verses five through eight in our reading, Jesus tells a parable in an attempt to give his disciples the confidence to pray with the assurance knowing that God answers their prayers in verse 5 it begins our trend, our translation begins it as suppose one of you has a friend well the King James here is a little more faithful to the Greek which says which of you shall have a friend so the parable begins with this question format because it's implying a negative answer which of you shall have a friend like this? Well, the implied answer in the parable is that no one has a friend like this. And we see why in the scenario. An unexpected guest, literally the Greek Greek says, a friend who has arrived from the way has shown shown up at your door in the middle of the night. And so in the ancient Near East, you were expected to feed the guest and provide a safe place for him to lodge. And if you didn't do these things, you were bringing shame upon yourself. So every guest was to be welcomed no matter what time of day it was or what the scenario is. And in this scenario that Jesus is telling, the guest arrives, but you were not prepared for a guest. And so you had no extra food. So you walk over to your friend's house. and In the New Testament times, friend is not a word that you use lightly. Your friend was someone very close to you someone who would do anything for you. So you knock on your friend's door, and they say, nope, sorry, I'm already tucked in for the night, I can't help you, go away. Well, of course your true friend would never do that to you. And if your friend did that to you, well, they wouldn't be your friend, but they would be shamed themselves. They would be understood to be selfish. They would be a scoundrel. And so Jesus ends that parable in verse 8, And our translation again says, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. Again, the Greek word that our translation renders as persistence doesn't mean persistence at all. It means shamelessness or lacking decency. It's always used in Greek literature in a negative sense. And so what verse 8 is actually saying is that the sleeping friend will get up and get the bread for you Because otherwise, he would lack basic decency. He would be shameless if he didn't get up. It would be shameful to leave your friend out in the cold like that. So even if it's an inconvenience, the sleeping friend will get up, and he will help you, and he will avoid being shameful. In this case, Jesus is saying, Look, even a friend will help you out so as not to be shamed. How much more will God help you out. God is not inconvenienced by your request. God doesn't go to sleep. God isn't limited in resources. So of course, God is going to answer your prayers. And more negatively, if God does not answer your prayers, his reputation is at stake. A good and gracious God is not going to put his reputation on the line. No, he's going to hear your prayers and he's going to answer them. We see this illustrated for us in our Old Testament reading from Genesis 18. God continually agrees to Abraham's request not to destroy Sodom if righteous men are found there. What is Abraham doing but appealing to God's character? He is saying, Lord, if you are righteous and merciful, then surely you will show mercy on the good men that are there. And the Lord answers his petition. The Lord wants to answer Abraham's prayer. He hears our request, and he does answer them. I don't know if this is a genuine quote from Martin Luther or not, but I've seen it accredited to him, and it says, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of God's willingness. This is precisely what Abraham was doing. He was not trying to convince a reluctant God to show mercy. Rather, he was holding on to God's mercy and what he was asking. That's Jesus's point to us as well. When we pray, we're not praying to a God who is inconvenienced by our prayers. Instead, we're praying to the one who wants us to ask him for all things. This is why Jesus teaches his disciples to begin their prayers with Father. Prayer is not a list of abstractions we ask a faraway deity to maybe give us, right? We don't cry out our prayers to the sky hoping that someone out there will hear them. No, Jesus tells us that prayer is asking our Father for the good gifts that he has for us. In verse 11, Jesus says, Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? The answer, just like the previous parable, is, Of course not. No one would ever do that. We give what we can to our children for their benefit. Even when we're limited to what we can give, we don't actively give things to them that will hurt them. Jesus then says, How much truer is that for God? Right? Even us as parents who are sinful, even us as parents who make mistakes, can give good things to our children. How much more can God give to us? We who are evil know how to take care of our children. So how much more will God give to us? In this, Jesus also answers a common doubt that we all have about prayer. Jesus has just told us that God will surely answer our prayers. If we ask, we will receive. But naturally, the question then follows, then why doesn't God always give me what I want? Sometimes we have to realize that we are like children who ask for snakes and scorpions Rather than fish and eggs. In our limited understanding, in our sinful nature, sometimes we ask for things that will harm us and we do not know it. So God will answer our prayers and give us that good thing that we need instead of always asking, instead of always giving us literally what we have asked. And that's not always easy for us. Sometimes God does not answer prayers for quick and easy healing because he knows it's better for us to go through some experience of being ill or having some experience of grief. God does not always answer our prayers to make some inconvenience, some hardship pass, because he knows that there is something better for us on the other side of it. We can trust that God looks past the verbatim nature of our request and gets to the heart of what is good for us. Every single prayer is answered by God, but it's answered first and foremost through his goodness, through his generosity, not through our inadequate understanding. Jesus ends his teaching on prayer by telling the disciples, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The one thing that we should be absolutely certain of is that the one thing God will never withhold from those who ask is himself. God wants us to have the Holy Spirit, the one who gives us new life, the one who gives us understanding of God's word and promise, the one who sets us apart and makes us holy. God will not withhold himself from us. And if God will not withhold himself from us, then we're encouraged to pray with boldness and confidence because God's going to share with us the very source of all goodness. That is himself. What we find when we put ourselves into God's hands is that prayer is not just about asking for things. If we know God, then we know that God will provide for us. He knows our every need. Prayer then moves from being about asking for things to about trusting in who God is. And in the end, this is what Jesus is telling us about prayer. Do we trust ourselves to our father in heaven do we trust that he will share with us every good gift do we trust his voice of love and mercy and speaking to our hearts in this moment that he tells us he will take care of us jesus is telling us that learning to pray is nothing short of learning to call god our father luther says there's no christian who does not have time to pray without ceasing but i mean spiritual praying that is No one is so heavily burdened with his labor, but that if he will, he can, while working, speak with God in his heart, that he'll pray at all times. He will lay before him in his need, asking for help, making petition, and strengthening his faith. Why does Luther remind us that none of us are too busy to pray without ceasing? Because all of us, in every moment of every day, we have the need to lift our hearts to our Father. There's never a moment where we don't need to put our hearts into his trusting hands because that is what prayer is all about. It's about asking and receiving God himself and not just a faraway God, not just an indifferent God, but a God who is our Father. Amen. stand and confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs <coughs> heavenly father your son has taught us to pray that your name would be hallowed and your kingdom come and for all our needs of body and soul grant us trusting hearts that turn to you in all joy and sorrow finding in your fatherly goodness and will all that we ask seek need or desire lord in your mercy gracious lord your righteous son intercedes on behalf of sinners before your throne when the outcry of our sin troubles us grant faithful pastors to speak your word of warning and comfort that we may be drawn to repentance to his cross and seek shelter in his mercy and so escape destruction lord in your mercy Almighty Father, you have given all rule and authority to Jesus Christ our Lord. Grant that our homes be permeated with your word, that all families may dwell in the light of your Son. Grant your Holy Spirit to husbands and wives, parents and children, young and old, and all who live alone, that we may not be taken captive by the Spirit of this world, but rather build up into Him who is the Head. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, you judge the sinful deeds of man in righteousness and justice. Grant us civil leaders who serve in accordance with your will, condemning what is evil and approving what is good. We especially pray for Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, and may all nations be brought to see the wisdom and glory of your son and dwell together in peace and humility. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful Father, you give good gifts to your children. Grant your Holy Spirit to Anita, Ray, Amanda, Marilyn, Mike, Emily, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, those who mourn the loss of Nancy, and all of those who suffer in body, mind, and soul. confident in your mercy they may look to you for comfort and peace in all of their trials grant them healing according to your will and patience to bear their crosses lord in your mercy Lord. lord god heavenly father we ask your blessing and look to you as the giver of all good gifts make us ever eager to come to you in prayer and thanksgiving as your son has taught us by your holy spirit bring us to behold in christ the fulfillment of all those things for which we pray your holy name your kingdom come daily bread forgiveness shelter and temptation deliverance from evil through the same jesus christ your son our lord who lives and reigns with you in the holy spirit one god now and forever amen, amen. now the peace of the lord be with you always and Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. and the almighty god father son and holy spirit bless you now and forever amen Amen. serve the lord